0: Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast.
1: entrepreneur, even the $50 million entrepreneur who's gone from 10 employees to 50 employees and is now in three states and all of those kinds of things. The first question I ask is, what are we building? What's the vision? They have to really be able to articulate that. Yes, to me, because I'm asking the question, but most importantly to themselves. And they typically haven't written it down. Knowing you want to go over a million dollars is great. Do you want to build a company that eventually runs without you in it? Do you want to build a company that's eventually acquired? Do you want to be acquiring companies? Do you have the vision of building a legacy for your family? Or do you just simply want to not work for anybody else? I can hit a million dollars with all of those, but they look a little bit different and they're built to do slightly different things. So really understanding what is it we're building and then where are we today? Let's get crystal clear about what the reality of the situation is today.
0: welcome back i hope you've had an awesome week so far i'm really excited to have as my guest on the innova buzz podcast today christy maxfield the founder of purpose first advisors she specializes in helping business owners become more confident capable and resourceful christy helps growth-focused business owners Build sustainably profitable businesses. Purpose First advisors believe that building a business should be a bold adventure that creates happiness and prosperity for individuals, families and communities. Their mission is to help people and communities build generational wealth, close gender and raise wealth gaps through entrepreneurship. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain of the InnovaBuzz show, go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel. There, you'll be able to get your very own digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community. And there, you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests like Christy, as well as to me, of course. And you'll have access to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Now, we've just minted 30 copies of this digital token, so get in quick before they're snapped up. I'm not sure how many are left right now, but I know there's still a few left, so get in quick and snap them up. In our conversation today, Christy talked to me about cultivating empathy and curiosity as a way to build strong relationships and understand our customers. We talked about the power of our personal story to inspire others. And we talked about how to bring the values and culture of an organization to life and sustain them. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Christy Maxfield. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from St. Louis in Missouri, the USA, of course, Christy Maxfield, who's from Purpose First Advisor, and they have a purpose, no surprise. Their purpose is Enabling people and communities to build generational wealth through entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Innova Buzz Podcast, Christy. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here.
0: Tom Ruich, who was our guest on episode four hundred and eighty-three of the Innova Buzz Podcast, he suggested that we have you on the on the podcast and introduced us. So big hello to Tom
1: absolutely we go way back we know each other through a few different (laughs) businesses and experiences
0: (laughs) yeah and you're both in the same home city right
1: we are and st louis is a big small city so once you know a few people you know a lot of people
0: right okay excellent all right now you believe that building a business should be kind of a bold adventure that creates happiness and prosperity both for the individuals involved for their families and for communities i love that that that's sort of encapsulates another part of your purpose statement, I guess. And I love the idea of the bold adventure. I've found in my entrepreneurial journey, it's been probably the most fun I've had and the most challenge I've had and also the most I've learnt in my life. And, and I've spent a lot of time, well, pretty much all my life learning, but this has been certainly one of the most uh, informative and educational experiences that I can remember. So, I'm really looking forward to digging into all of that with you Yay. some more. But before we do that, what's the impact you're leaving in the world today?
1: Well, you kind of touched on it, the creation of wealth through entrepreneurship. So typically women entrepreneurs, and I can really only speak for the United States, but my I suspect some of these trends are hmm. are more widespread, but women entrepreneurs in the United States and entrepreneurs of color tend to build smaller businesses than uh, other demographic groups and what happens typically is we don't build businesses that are over a million dollars we don't hire people besides ourselves and we have trouble accessing capital and so you know i really get excited about what who i can work with to help them do any one of those things hmm. and even if they don't aspire to have a million dollar plus business or employees but they do hope to grow and get the most out of their business and her, their business idea I want to be part of that with them and really open up the possibilities for them. So entrepreneurship to me is a way we can fulfill our own personal dreams, but we can also create more wealth for ourselves and our families and our communities than usually we can do with a wage paying job.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly there's endless possibilities, right? But there's there's lots of hurdles and lots of challenges that, that we faced with that certainly coming out of the corporate world i didn't really realize i mean i'd I'd had a long corporate career and i knew there were all these issues you had to deal with as a business but there's a lot of surprises that came my way as a small business i kind of had plans in place for the issues but then oh, i I didn't know that was going to come up
1: (laughs) so (laughs) there's lots of uncertainty yeah
0: yeah. you um you mentioned that women and and particularly um, people of colour, typically in the US, and I, I'm pretty sure this is the same in Australia. Um, there seems to be a, a bit of a glass ceiling, if you like, on mm-hmm. and maybe they set it themselves. Maybe it's it's um, the society that sets it because of the societal prejudices that that we still deal with these days um what how do you think like what what are the key factors you think that influence that and and what are some of the things that all of us could do to start to make it easier yeah,
1: yeah so uh, the, the two prongs the um in, in, again in the states there's uh institutional racism systemic racism. And so that's perpetuated. as It's systemic. It's not just an individual choice. It's really Mm -hmm. built into the fabric of our our communities and our institutions. And then we internalize racism and sexism and other isms along the way as well. And so society has set up a system that seeks to perpetuate those preferences. And we internalize a lot of messages about what we could, should, or Um, might want to do and be. So really the approach has to be twofold. How do we change the systems so they are more equitable? They have less built-in barriers to to all the things that everyone wants to have a successful and fulfilling life. And then how do we change the mental models of individuals and people working individually and people working in organizations together about who's capable, what they're capable of, um, who gets to dream, how they get to dream? Um, at this moment in time, the founder of WeWork, uh, who happens to be a white man, um, Work has imploded. Hun- mm. You know, hundreds of millions of dollars of investor dollars are gone, and he has new investors already. Yeah. And very rarely does a woman or an entrepreneur of color get the a, a first bite at the apple, let alone a second bite <laughs> second. at the apple. <laughs> and so, you know, am I is all of that a function of racism and sexism? No, but there's a lot of that going on mm. in there, and we and, and it's worth examining. So when we think about it, we you know we all have individual work to do, um, and that's about understanding all, the role we play and how our thinking mm. influences that. And we have institutions we need to change. So at an ecosystem level, when you're involved either as an entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur support organization um we have to face those realities and then figure out how we're going to dismantle or rearrange or disrupt what's going on that way and that's that's long term work
0: yeah yeah i um i guess one of the, one of the things i always wonder about and as as someone that you know believes that everybody has the capability to do extraordinary things and it's not about what race they belong to what what gender they are what whatever else that they attach to their identity uh but as you said there's the system has has everybody i mean we're all categorized in the system to make to make the system work and it's it's all about having the system work it doesn't really care about the individuals and so we're categorized and and by being categorized it places limits, and I mean that's true of all of us. But some some categories suffer more because they've got Absolutely. different limits the placed on them. The system's
1: designed that way. Yeah, right? the system's designed yeah. inequities. So,
0: as as individuals that kind of have, see this as wrong, how can we? Do, what are some little things that we can do to start taking regular actions, consistent actions that that influence change in the system?
1: Yeah, I talk about and think about for myself, what privilege or access um, or resources might I have that someone else may not have access to and how can I be proactive in the role that I have and make choices that make them more accessible? So what does that mean? It means if somebody calls me to be on a podcast, um, I might say yes, I might say yes, and I'd really like you to speak to my other colleagues and raise up people who typically aren't identified as Hmm. being in that mix, but they're just as awesome, if not more awesome than me. Um, I might say thank you, no, but please interview this person instead because I've gotten a lot of airtime and they haven't, and they're doing amazing, phenomenal things that you're not aware of. So how can I use the, the position, power, privilege that I might have in ways great and small? If I'm invited to be on a panel and I see there's no women of color, um, no people of color, um, I'm the only woman, let's say, then we, I, I can have a conversation with the leadership. I can choose to engage. I can choose to ask questions. I can choose to make suggestions. And the awareness and then the conscious choice to make a different decision, a different choice, I think is really where we can start as individuals. Um, and particularly when we know that there are, de- there are definitely things as a white woman I have an easier time doing, getting, or mm. otherwise making available in the world. And so then the question has to become for me, how do I become more aware of that? I think there's also another level is, as people explore what's possible for them, entrepreneurship's not for everybody. but You know, yeah. it's just not, right? <laughs> um, But one of the things we find is that we need role models. We need to see somebody who kinda mm-hmm. looks like us, who kinda sounds like us, who kinda came from the same background to say, oh my God, if she can do it, I can totally do it,
2: right? That's right, yeah.
1: Um, And so the times where you can act in that role model role by sharing your successes, maybe it's a LinkedIn post that says, you know, I I did this hard thing, (laughs) Mm. right? Um, Maybe it's going on a podcast and saying, this is my journey and these are the things I struggled with or struggle with and how I'm doing it. I think we underestimate the power of our own personal story in being able to help inspire others as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot, lot there, isn't there? And, um, I think this concept of privilege and it kind of ties back to, we take a lot of things for granted. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we have skills that we take for granted. Absolutely. And, uh, I have this experience from time. Well, I have it quite a lot. Um, pre pandemic in particular, where we, um, I'd meet with somebody and we'd be working through something and they'd be sitting beside me as I was showing them how to do something and all of a sudden they'd pull me up and they'd say hang on that step what did you just do then that was amazing and it would be something that I kind of like it was completely unconscious to me that I like I went from A to B it was almost like changing gears in the car while I'm driving and they'd pull me up and they'd say oh you just changed gear how did you do that that was amazing so we take things like that for granted and I I kind of often reflect on those and I say well you know there's clearly value in that for other people and yet I take it for granted because it just comes naturally to me the the idea of privilege I think is consistent with that because um, so here I am white male born into you know the most privileged kind of category if we're going to categorize people that that exists today um, in western society in a country a democratic country that's free, that's got wonderful nature and everything, and, and we take a lot of that for granted. And um, only when we kind of see the contrasts and all of a sudden see, hey, there's people in other countries that are in war zones that are suffering hunger and thirst uh, that don't have fresh water that, and so on, that we start to reflect on that. Um, but at a different level, it's like within our own societies, where are those differences? What what do you think we can do to kind of make those contrasts more visible in our own consciousness, so that we start to take some of the actions you've suggested?
1: Yeah, um, I want to go back just a second to the the, the thing I found obvious, um, and somebody else. <laughs> um only because my high school english teacher used to write i go i g o at the top of page, your page if you didn't if it was just the instant grasp of the obvious and you didn't go deeper and she wanted you to go deeper yeah. and what i found as an adult is my instant grasp of the obvious is your revelation and that mm. i can't underestimate how important it is for me to share the things that come naturally to me and also be compensated for them in some situations Because we all have different gifts and just because it's easy for you doesn't mean you shouldn't be compensated for it. That's one thing. In terms of, you know, how do we, how do we, um, look at these categorizations and the, the systemic nature of how we are? It's, it's choosing to be aware. When you have privilege, part of the privilege you're experiencing is if you don't want to deal with it, you don't have to. And so how do you put yourself in situations where you choose to be engaged in it? You choose to grapple with what's going on. Um, do you choose to go and meet with a group of black entrepreneurs and be there as an observer and a supporter knowing you're gonna be the only white person in the room and that your needs are not the most important thing going on there? And are you, are you willing to go and support them? Are you willing to show up? Are you willing to ask them what they need rather than assume what they need? Are you willing to, um, you know, put aside whatever your personal agenda is or your ego is and really offer yourself up to, as somebody of service to say, I, you know, I want to support you. I may not understand the best way to support you. Um, and please help me understand how I might be able to do that. And then when you do make a mistake, because you're gonna make a mistake, hmm. be sincere in apologizing for it, offer to make amends, find out what it, you need to do to heal and repair that, and continue to engage. You know, don't don't step away from it. Because I think the privilege we have, and again, I can primarily speak from my experience, is if I don't wanna engage in these issues, I, for the most part, it's certainly on racism, I don't have to. Now, on gender issues, a little harder for me to avoid. But, um, but if, but there are lots of things I can choose not to get into if I don't want to. And hmm. uh, that leaves a lot of people doing a lot of heavy lifting who deserve to have the support of others who genuinely want to help them the way they want to be helped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing is to leave aside ego and be, bring humility to those engagements and Look at you know, how do how do those people that I'm engaging with how to the how do they want to be helped? Yes. How do they see me and what I can contribute? And and if I can, then do that. Absolutely. And hmm. as you were talking about humility and you know and the idea of racism, it reminded me. And this this is probably an ex it's, it's an expensive exercise, but it's probably an exercise okay. that's worth doing for people if they have the opportunity. Um and it's this. When I was in the corporate world I had an international job. I travelled a lot. I travelled a lot in Asia. While I was yeah. travelling in Asia, um places like China or Korea, um or even Japan, I would love to go out and explore on my own. That that was my I Would take downtime outside of the work I was doing to just head out and explore. I'd take my camera and I'd go for walks in places that were off the beaten track. Now, there were two things there. I was the only white person among uh, usually a lot of people who were different than me. Yeah. But, you know, it's not that they were different. I was different.
1: And you were on their (laughs) turf.
0: (laughs) And I was on their turf. Exactly. um i couldn't speak their language and i couldn't understand although in most places people were so friendly because because i looked different i found Mm -hmm. actually it was a positive experience people would talk to me in english and they would test their english skills and they would say well you know you're obviously foreign here you look like you're lost um can we help you that kind of thing but sometimes it was a feeling like i'm different here and i it was a little bit threatening in some situations. Mm-hmm. Not that I was in danger, but it was just that feeling of being different. It's probably uncomfortable. And, uncomfortable, yeah, that's a good word. And the other thing was, of course, in a lot of these places, the signs were in, in Mandarin script or Korean script or Japanese script. And I thought, I am illiterate here as well. <laughs> and that, that whole feeling is quite humbling and Mm -hmm. i think it gives you a sense of perspective in that um and and a sense of gee in our environment when people from that culture or that nationality are dumped into our environment like i am right now in theirs uh that's what they're feeling probably
1: that is what they're feeling Mm. yeah and and i think for what we have to remind ourselves and i I feel like it's more prevalent now, I don't know if it is, but I feel like the ability to empathize with people even if you haven't walked a mile in their shoes, Hmm. um, even if you haven't been on the ground immersed in their neighborhood or their culture, that there's something we have to remember about being able to connect to people through their stories. And we are so globally connected through the internet and through media that there's a lot of ways to get to know a different culture and a perspective and to consider things outside of our own experience without mm-hmm. having to actually experience them. And I think cultivating that empathy, really understanding that, I mean, if you tie it back to business, I have to really be in tune with my client. I have to know mm-hmm. who my customer is. I have to be able to understand their pain, even if it's a pain I'm not experiencing. I have to be able to communicate it with them in a way that makes them feel seen and heard. If I'm doing that with building collegial relationships, or really looking at to be part of a much bigger conversation about community and society then i need to have the same curiosity that i do when i'm mm. trying to figure out what does my customer want i have to ask them and i have to put aside my assumptions and i have to be open to the idea that the thing i thought is completely not the thing they want um like we always talk about people building things that nobody wants to buy <laughs> and that's because they didn't talk to them right mm. and and so so much of the things that we ask people to do in order to build authentic relationships, so they can build successful businesses, are also the things we need to do to build successful and authentic relationships, yeah. so we can build better communities and really prosper. Really understand how to support each other in prospering.
0: Hmm. Hmm. That's wonderful, and it's well. I guess a lot of a lot of businesses stumble at that first step of of really understanding their customers and what yes, their they particular do. needs are. And so it's no surprise that when it gets to the relationship part, that they're not really good <laughs> at that either because they haven't practiced it.
1: Correct, <laughs> but, it's a great yeah. excuse to practice on all fronts. You could start yeah, today, yeah. even if you don't want to own your own business, even if mm. you just want to be better at whatever it is you're doing today and leading from where you are. Yeah, uh, get, get really curious and mm and be willing to put aside your assumptions. Um, and
2: and we all have them as well. Hmm.
1: And judgment, right? Hmm. Uh, you know, ask why, be that five-year-old, why, 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 why? Um, And uh that's what I think about when I think about coachability. If somebody, every time I bring up something different, somebody goes, well, I tried that, I know that that's not gonna work here you don't understand these people, you don't understand my people, you don't understand my customers, whatever the case may be. That to me is you've already lost your curiosity. Um, mm-hmm. Even if I'm wrong, I'm not saying I'm right. But even if yeah. I'm wrong, you're, you're kind of dismissing it out of hand, which is one of my signals for you're probably not all that coachable. You kind of want me to tell you what you already think, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's not, that's, I don't want to do that. And you probably don't need a coach if you, if you don't want to be coachable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: a great point. Well, um, I can't remember who said this to me, but it stuck in my mind. And I thought, that's a really great way to look at this. And it was in the context of somebody would say no. Let's say I asked somebody to be on my podcast and they say, no, I, I decline. And Uh, that wasn't the example, but I can't remember the example now, but it's not important. What they said to me was, take the approach and no is just for today. Absolutely. So so if it didn't work, um, if that person said no to whatever I was offering or pitching, um, that's today. Tomorrow, the environment might change, their situation might change, your situation might change. So... Asking the same question could get a different answer. Now something has to be different, of course. It's we don't want to be like what Einstein described as just doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result.
1: In fact, we don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well yeah, tell us for... a... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, right, I was just gonna switch gears a little bit and, and sure. get you to tell us a little bit about what you do at Purpose First and how this whole idea of the Purpose First philosophy um, works and came about.
1: Sure. I'll go back a little further just to give a little context. Yeah. Um, I was raised in a family business. Uh, My dad ran a family florist in a town not too far from where I grew up. And then I decided that was a really hard way to make a living. Uh, You worked nights and weekends and holidays and you it, it just didn't seem like a great deal to me. So when I went to university, I studied political science and I, my first job out after graduating was for what a women's fund in New Jersey. And that really put me on a path to becoming a professional fundraiser. So I'm very familiar with the no as a maybe, <laughs> um, and how to really distinguish a no from a no and a no from a maybe, um, and to not be discouraged by the no, the, the no might actually be no and no now and no in the future, mm. but not to be discouraged by that no. So yeah, I yeah. really cut it's my still chops.
0: data, isn't it? Hmm.
1: It's still data, right. And and then be curious about it. Hmm. Why? Right. Um, and then I uh, took my first leap into entrepreneurship, really in the context of social entrepreneurship, how do we use business to create social change? And explored a hybrid business model, model here in the United States, which is called an L3C. It's a limited liability corporation that actually puts social impact before profit. For the mm-hmm. in, it codifies it. Um, and we built an administrative services company for nonprofits, and we were working with other social entrepreneurs. And that kind of spiraled into the thing I really got excited about in that work was working with the entrepreneurs themselves. You know, is anybody mm-hmm. going to buy what you're selling? And even if that what you're selling is social change, is anybody gonna buy what you're selling? Hmm. Both either with their philanthropic dollars or with their purchasing dollars, their economic dollars. And I kind of parlayed that into working in our innovation district here in St. Louis called, called Cortex. And there's a entity called the Center for Emerging Technologies. And I spent 2015 to 2017 on staff there and was responsible for running the business model validation program for IT bioscience and consumer manufactured product entrepreneurs. So early stage folks in those three areas. And then I turned them into my largest client and went out on my own with Purpose First Advisors. So Purpose First Advisors really was the vehicle for me to move from working with one entity just with early stage companies in these more high growth areas to working with more companies, more individual entrepreneurs, and essentially having two sides of the business what I would call entrepreneur support ecosystem work, where I'm working with one-to-many, designing or delivering content in a program that's meant to serve a large number or at least more than one at a time Hmm. uh, number of business owners or aspiring entrepreneurs. And then really working with post-revenue businesses, anywhere from a a few hundred thousand dollars in revenue to $50 million in revenue. That's sort of the span I have right now. On what are the crucial operations pieces they need to build the success they want to build? Because most of us get into this, don't do everything 100% right. Hmm. Didn't even know there were things we should have done differently. <laughs> um, get some traction. People buy what we're selling.
2: Hmm. We're
1: excited about that. We get a whole bunch of ideas. We have a lot, a lot of, um, untapped potential in the business. And we really can't unleash it until we create some systems and processes, until we identify the kinds of people we need, until we are intentional about building culture, and until we really sit down and run the numbers, which Hmm. a lot of us don't do early on. And then as we grow, all those things have to morph because what works with a small company doesn't necessarily work with a mid-sized company, doesn't necessarily work with a large company. Hmm. And so there's, there's this constant iteration of how to actually make the business work. So purpose-first advisors for me is working with those folks who are growth-oriented, whether it's going from $250,000 to $500,000 or going past a million or going past 50 million. How can we um, set you up for success from an operations perspective to really make that possible? And frankly, it's working one-on-one usually with the owners yeah. who are in the trenches, doing the work, building the business to take it from where it is today to where it wants, they want it to be.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, well, you touched on a lot of different aspects of business and and the growth. There, you talked about culture, you talked about the systems, you talked about the numbers, the financial um, aspect, and what was the fourth one? Um,
1: culture, process, people, numbers. People, yeah, I
0: think people was the one I didn't mention. Um, in terms of say say there's somebody with a a small business, they're at this sort of just under the 1 million that that magic ceiling that you talked about earlier. And they're saying, Well, I want to break through that I want to get to the next level to five or the 10 million level. What are the most critical things? What are the things that sort of have to get done first? Of, you know, of those categories? Or is, is there no one that's more important than others?
1: It depends. Um, I, I, but uh, for every entrepreneur, I, even the $50 million entrepreneur who's gone from 10 employees to 50 employees and, and is now in three states and all of those kinds of things, the first question I ask is, what are we building? What What's the vision? And they have to really be able to articulate that. Yes, to me, because I'm asking the question, but most importantly to themselves. And they typically haven't written it down. So Hmm. knowing you want to go over a million dollars is great. Do you want to build a company that eventually runs without you in it? Do you want to build a company that's eventually acquired? Do you want to be acquiring companies? Do you want to, do you have the vision of building a legacy for your family? Or do you just simply want to not work for anybody else? Hmm. Those are all, I can hit a million dollars. Yeah with all of those, but they look a little bit different and they're built to do slightly different things. Mm. And so really understanding what is it we're building and then where are we today? Let's get crystal clear about what the reality of the situation is today. Are you living paycheck to paycheck in terms of getting paid by your clients? Um, have you built a reserve? What's in place? Who's in place? What isn't in place? Who isn't in place? Um, so what's the current state of the business? And then from there, what is the natural next step we need to take if we know, in this case, the goal is to to reach the million or exceed the million dollar mark. Um, It And that's why it depends. So if mm-hmm. you don't have a really good handle on your numbers, we probably need to start there. Yeah, if you right. have a pretty good handle on your numbers and your counting's in pretty good shape and we can talk through pricing and that seems to be pretty solid, okay, do you have enough people to do the work that needs to be done? Are they the right people in the right seats doing the right thing? Are you still having trouble delegating? Because almost every business owner I know has trouble delegating. (laughs) That's because you need to write things down about how you want them done. Hmm. That takes time and it's boring and you don't want to do it. But it's really the stepping stone from doing it all yourself to handing it off to somebody else. Hmm. So, you know, you kind of go through these natural ideas. And sometimes we have to deal with things on parallel tracks, get the numbers in place while we're talking about Hmm. the org chart. And sometimes we have other things that are clearly most urgent until we address those, we're not going to be able to get anything, you know, everything else is window dressing until we address them. So it looks a little bit different, but those are the Hmm. themes we talk about because no matter how special your business is, because I know some of us are like, you just, Christy, you need to be in this industry to really understand it. (laughs) Probably not. I probably Hmm. need to really understand the business of your business. And you need to be the expert on the industry, and we can mm. probably make some ha- magic happen.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's so. That's always. I, I talk a lot about systems in the past and developing good sound processes. And one of the things I heard a lot was uh, our industry is different. Yeah, that, that's not oh, going to work. So working.
1: different. <laughs> it's so different. Yes, it is. And mm. we need to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wonderful. Um, one of the things you didn't mention there in, in that answer was, um, the culture. And I know particularly uh, if yes. a business businesses growing very rapidly and very strongly and bringing on new people. Um, how, how do we make sure we're building a good culture? Cause that's something that if it doesn't, if a business grows rapidly and the culture is, not good, not the right culture, even worse, toxic or something like that. Yeah. It's really hard to bring that back, isn't it, to repair that?
1: It is. And so my larger clients who have CFOs and, you know, other things in place, I don't necessarily have to spend as much time with them on, say, building a financial model, and they've probably called me in because the culture piece is where they're having the most struggle right now. Mm. You know, the things that you could do as a 10-person office – when you were in close proximity with each other and maybe they weren't perfect and maybe they weren't really explicitly explained, kind of still got massaged out because you were small enough team Hmm. to do it. Now you, you don't have that luxury. Everything has to function at a much higher level and with a much greater degree of consistency. I used to think value statements and things like that were kind of just fluff. What I've come to know and see in real life is... When we actually get to those values that we want to see and use in our business to make decisions, when we say we're uh, committed to community, or we want to create an innovative culture, or we want to um, create a place where people can be the bring them their full selves to work, it's not enough just to have a word or a phrase. It's important to clearly define what that word or phrase means for you and your mm-hmm. business, and then. Be able to give examples of that in action
2: hmm. you
1: know this is what i mean when we say we prioritize teamwork this is what i mean when because then if what you meant was i pull an all-nighter every other weekend that's not the kind of teamwork i'm wanting to necessarily be around but hmm. if you say our teamwork looks like starting every project with a team charter where we define the rules of engagement and we are clear on what our shared outcomes are and we delegate roles and responsibility, and we establish how we're going to provide feedback to each other. That's a great teamwork model. I'd love that. Tell me that Mm -hmm. story all over. So you have to really say, as leaders, you have to define what those are and then be able to say, this is what it means to live them here. At Purpose Mm -hmm. First Advisors, this is what it means to to live this value in this place with these people. Um, And then be intentional, not just setting that, but then living it. It's not something That's... you do once and done, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's every day and and the people part of the business, the humans, the messy humans that show up every day to be a part of your work and your vision, need you every day hmm. and you I think if we could shift our mindset from doing the meetings with people and the handling of issues and the and the talking about emotions and we treat that like it's gonna be the other duty as assigned and done at the end of the week or the end of the day or the end of the month in a short little nugget and be done. And we have to flip that paradigm and say, actually being present for your people as a coach mm. and a mentor, as a leader, as a teacher, that's your primary job. Mm. And it, it should take most of your time.
2: Yeah.
1: And it should take most of your attention. And it should be something you're enthusiastic about doing. And most people in those roles aren't. And it's not necessarily their fault. hmm. Right? I mean, they they haven't been trained well. hmm. They haven't been trained well. They haven't been given the resources. They don't see their role that way. Other people don't see their role that way. But uh, I think the most angst comes from when people are like, if, oh, if the people just got it together, we could do this and get it done. And I'm like, yes, yes but you can't do this without the people. So you've got hmm. to spend that time. It's it's so integral. It's really just so important that we really make sure that we're creating an environment where the people we've brought on to execute the vision we have, which is bigger than we can do by ourselves, hmm are given the tools and resources they need to do that. And so much of the tools and resources they need are time and attention, clarity of purpose and role, recognition, support, the ability to grow, Hmm. the ability to feel connected to others. That's culture, that takes work.
0: Hmm. And one of the things I think that's important that, that came out of your explanation there is, as a business grows, the role of the business owner really shifts dramatically doesn't it and i think that that shift many business owners don't make that shift or don't understand how to make that shift um or maybe that they just don't want to make that shift because they're not the sort of person that that um, can be that mentor that can be that inspiring leader and in those instances there's probably a really hard decision Um, the business owner they they might have to say well I'll keep doing what I'm doing, and I'll bring somebody in that, that's going to take yes. that role.
1: Yes. We have two ways I think we get in our own way. Whatever's going on between our ears <laughs> yeah. gets us in our own way. And then our unwillingness or inability to make decisions that prioritize the organization and the people in it above our own personal hmm. needs and wants and needs. And I say that very easily. It's all very, very hard. The idea Mm -hmm. that you've built something but you will turn over the reins to someone else in some way, shape or form is an extremely hard decision to make. And if we get to the point where we have identified that the chief roadblock to getting to where you wanna be is something that you're just not really skilled at doing and you're not willing to make a change in how you uh, behave within the organization, We're at an impasse. Yeah. And then it really becomes, what do you want most? Do you want most to stay where you are and be who you are and act the way you do here and do that? And if so, that's fine. Or do you want this other thing you said was really important to you? And are you willing to do the uncomfortable thing to get there? Hmm.
0: Yeah, which brings us back to purpose first, right? What's the purpose? <laughs> oh, where are we going?
1: <laughs> where are we going, right? Yeah. You know, and and then you can use um that vision as a decision-making matrix. Hmm. You know, if I put it to you as a as it's never just a binary, but you know, we can continue with where you are and not much is going to change. Hmm. And you're going to be frustrated. And we can make these changes that are going to feel really uncomfortable. And we can work through the discomfort. But of all the things we've said are most likely to get us where we want to go, these are probably it.
2: Hmm. Do
1: you want to, do you want to be uncomfortable where you are or uncomfortable in a, a, a state that's closer to what you want in, hmm. in the long run? Cause you're probably going to be uncomfortable one way or the other.
0: That's right. And, we don't and like and to be
1: uncomfortable as people. It's not our, yeah.
0: Thing. Yeah. yeah. Getting <laughs> comfortable with being uncomfortable is probably a skill that needs to be developed more. But, but I think on the, in that sense the one uncomfortable feeling the current state i mean there's a sense of frustration and a sense of not being fulfilled in that isn't there and i think that that is uh kind of a that caps the growth that's not the growth so the other one is is the growth discomfort and that discomfort in time you become more comfortable with whatever you're uncomfortable with because you're growing. So it's, yeah, and it's personal growth as well as the business growth.
1: It is. And that doesn't make any of these, any of it easier. It just means that if we can have a conversation that acknowledge, like if we agree on what reality is and then we agree on what we aspire to achieve, and we agree about what we think we need to do between to get us between here and there. Then it really becomes about making decisions. And that's often where we feel like if I make this choice, I'm cutting off all of their options. Hmm. And people don't like that either. <laughs> and so the, the act of choosing, the act of realizing there's a finite amount of time, there's a finite amount of money, there's a finite amount of capacity. And... Even not choosing is a choice. Hmm. That's right. So, you know, we might have to really the process of working together might be to really explore that deeply and say, you know, this this is the the, this is at the point in the road we're at. Hmm. Let's you know, you're going to have to do some personal work. I'm going to try and support you as much as I can. We might have to call in other resources to help us sort this through. but that's that, honestly, I've watched a lot of people not get out of their own way, and it's sad.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The On the other hand, I mean, I've been in situations like that, and when you make that decision, then it's almost like there's a weight off your chest. You're sort of yes. scared and nervous about this decision you've just made and, and what you have to do to what the next action steps that you have to take but at the same time there's this enormous sense of relief because kind of things have just started like it's almost like the the veil has been opened up and you're starting to see a bit further
1: yeah and your team if it, it, your team feels better too because if hmm. you say you want one thing and they start to do the things they know are necessary to get you there and then you switch course
2: hmm.
1: then That throws them off. That's really hard for them. And so when you actually commit to a direction and define what success will look like and support them in supporting you in making that happen, then you can all row in the same direction. And when Hmm. it gets scary, you can turn to your your rowing buddy and say, this is really (laughs) scary. Yeah, let's keep rowing, row faster, right? (laughs) Um, Versus Saying to your, you know, your rowing buddy, "Uh, I'm going to change direction completely because yeah. I'm, I'm paddling out. I'm going to pedal
0: backwards. Now. I'm
1: paddling backwards on you, <laughs> and I'm pressing on the imaginary brake as hard as I possibly can, yeah. um, which just causes a whole other set of problems."
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, great. I love that. Love the metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fabulous, Christy. I could go on talking these things for ages, but I'm just aware of the time. So I think it's a good point now on that that note to move on to the buzz, our innovation round. It's the same five questions that I ask of every guest. And the idea is that you'll give us some really insightful answers that will inspire the listener to take some action today as a result. Okay. So what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative?
1: Innovation is really tied to curiosity. We said it before, but um, question the default. If you're Mm. truly looking to do something in a way that it hasn't been done before, then you have to question the way it's being done.
2: Hmm.
0: Why is it being done like that? Yeah, I love that. And there's this famous story about the the width of the railroad tracks, which is standard across all the world and, and why that is. And um, when you dig into it, it's because that was the the width of two horses' rear ends. <laughs> yes, to, yes. To enable two horses to be put onto Roman chariots. And they formed the ruts in the roads. And so that became the standard width.
1: <laughs> There's lots of things that go back to somebody choosing something yeah. that at the time made a whole lot of sense. Yeah. It may not make a whole lot of sense anymore.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So there's it, it doesn't there's no relationship between the width of railroad tracks and, and it's horses, not a magical but, measurement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the way it is. Yeah. So question everything. Question.
1: All right. Everything.
0: What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas?
1: I meet new people and have new experiences. I think that's the way you develop new ideas. Because honestly, sitting alone in a room, there's great. <laughs> purpose to meditation and reflection and quiet time to yourself. And there's lots of ways to have different experiences and interact with different people. And I think the more you can do that, the more likely you are to, hmm. to experience the things that are going to help you generate new ideas and see things that you just didn't see before.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. comes back to um, what we talked about earlier and the empathy and Yes. having an understanding for other people. So those interactions and those experiences certainly build that.
1: Yes. All right.
0: Do you have a favorite resource you use most often?
1: My favorite resource? I actually wrote a few notes so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> um, my um, And the resources um, in in general, um, I love to track my time uh, so that I can really understand how, what I'm working on and what I'm hmm. doing. It makes my pricing better. Um, it makes my workflow and being able to schedule for capacity better. And it also takes away the ability for me to pretend that I'm actually spending time doing things that I'm not actually doing, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so in terms of those tools, like just in terms of how do I work better and smarter, I really like tracking my time. It mm. gives me great great information.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I I kind of do it a little bit um, but it's more, it's, it's not tracking the time as such. It's more a reflective thing. So, what have I done this morning and going back? Okay. That's, that's good. Um, and how's that compare with my plan that I've actually yes. set up yesterday? <laughs> that I was going to do today. Um, and the other thing I do do time blocking, which I find really useful. I like that say, as okay, well. I set myself an hour now to work on this. And I have to set a timer for that because if I get really focused on it, all of a sudden I'll be like, "Oh, it's um, four hours have gone already."
1: Yes, and also if I want a project to be, if I know something's due in the future, going and blocking off the time to do it in the pieces, you know, making sure that I don't have to rush at the very end. Mm. Um, so using using that calendaring purpose, that time blocking purpose, both to Make sure I, spending the amount of time I want to spend on something, but also hmm. making sure I put the time on in advance and don't have yeah, to so,
2: yeah, so suddenly borrow it got, back
1: from somewhere else yeah. at the last minute.
0: You've got a deadline and you can't get to a whole lot of other things because you have to meet that deadline for one particular yes. project. Hmm. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a project on track or a client on track if you're working with a
2: client?
1: I really like team charters or project charters. this having a very simple document that's very straightforward, so it's not personal right mm. It's not about well, Christy wants to do it this way. it's we've come together and agreed this is the project goal or this is the outcome we want from working together. um These are the things we're gonna do to try and make that happen here's who's responsible for what this is how we're gonna operate um this is okay behavior, this is not okay behavior kind of thing. And if we run into an impasse, here's how we're going to resolve conflict. Those, to me, just make everything that we we think we know, the implicit knowledge we think we have about how something's going to go, and they make it really explicit. And then we can come back to the document. So if we said we were going to have it done on Tuesday and it's now Wednesday and it's not done, we made an agreement, what happened? What can we learn from that? And mm-hmm. how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Um, I the, uh, the example I use a lot of times is you'll be on a project with someone or working with a client and somebody says, well, that's due at the end of day on Friday. Great. You're going to uh, not only in two different time zones, we're on two different continents. Whose end of day? Yeah. What is end of day? Even if we agree on whose time zone we're using, is it 5 p.m.? Is it midnight. Hmm. Um, it's a thing that most of us don't talk about, but everybody has an opinion on. Yeah. You ask the midnight and, person. And they're probably
0: different. Yeah. opinion. Yeah. And they think different. the
1: five o'clock person's insane. And the five <laughs> o'clock person thinks the midnight person's insane. So, you know, it's, it, I just like those explicit tools that help hmm. us get on track and stay on track. And then you got to communicate regularly because talking about it once won't yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. And that, that needs to be visible. And then, of course, it's pretty easy then to say, um, okay, that, that hasn't happened the way this? we agreed. Yeah. How do we change this? And what do we, I like how you said, you know, what do we learn from that? So it's not just around, around saying, okay, bad. You you didn't do this. It's, it's around, well, what happened? Why, you know, what can we, where's the gap? What can we do to, to make sure that yeah. doesn't happen again?
2: Hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, love it. All right, and the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves,
1: I am going to read. I'm going to look at my notes very briefly because it, I want to also make sure I I don't miss anything. I think your differentiation comes down to being really clear about who your ideal client is and not being afraid to focus. So I advise people to spend their time and money trying to connect with the people who are most likely to buy from them. And Hmm. in my experience, those are people already spending the time and money to solve the problem that you solve. And now you need to get in front of them with a better solution. Hmm. If someone else comes to you and wants to pay you money, who's outside of your ideal target market, but you still want to take their money, take their money, do business with them. But don't spend your time and money trying to attract them. So I think d- the key to differentiating is being different and not trying to appeal to everybody, <laughs> and being really specific about who you're a good fit for, and yeah. then sticking with that, and not yeah. and not uh, trying, not being wooed or swayed to try and be more to everybody, just because you might be missing the boat somewhere. Don't mm-hmm. let fear of missing out make you drift away from really defining mm-hmm. who you are and who you best serve.
0: Yeah. I love that and um you know we, we spend quite a bit of time with clients and and we've got training programs on really defining your dream client i like to call it the dream client so who is it like if you you could only work with one person and and you were stuck on a desert island and that person was stuck with you who would you choose what would they look like <laughs> what would they yeah. do what what do they believe what are their values so we go into all of those things and i like that you said you pointed out that if somebody else comes to you to pay money and you want to do business with them, then do business with them. Take their money, do
1: business with them. Yeah. Yeah. Because
0: that's, that's a lot of the pushback I get is, but what happens if, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll miss out on some business there. What, what happens if if somebody, because
1: they'll describe (laughs) their ideal client and then they'll say, well, what about everybody else? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. If they find you, and you want to play together play together
0: yeah yeah so i love that and, and but don't spend money marketing spend or money. or yeah to to people outside of that dream client realm yeah love it yeah hmm. all right well thanks christy this has been fabulous now where can people reach out and say thanks for all that you've shared today and find out more about purpose first advisors
1: well they can visit us on our website purposefirstadvisors.com my email is cmaxfield at purposefirstadvisors.com and uh, it's at Christy Maxfield on LinkedIn. And I try to stay active there and connect there. So please reach out. Let me know what you're thinking and how I might be able to be of service to you.
0: Excellent. And of course, we'll post the links in the show notes so people can click straight through. So Fantastic. What action would you like our listeners to take away from our conversation today?
1: Get really clear on what you want and, and, and don't lie to yourself. Don't, (laughs) don't answer that question by saying what you think you can get or think you can build, but really get clear on what it is you really want and what will make you happy and what you think the world needs. And then take the next obvious action to make that happen.
2: Hmm. All you have to do is the
1: next obvious action. You don't have to do all the next actions, just the first one
0: yeah that's a good point and and you said something earlier as well that i think is important in this context and that's articulating that learning to articulate that because unconsciously in in our heads or somewhere in our bodies we've got this idea or this set of ideas of what we want um, but articulating it is can be such a powerful
1: um
0: tool right
1: and regardless of your belief system i suggest to you that when you put something out clearly into the world and other people know what you're trying to do Hmm. things align to to make that happen because fundamentally from where i stand other people and other uh, other energy in the in uh you know whether it's god or however you think of it they all want you to be happy Hmm and and anything you can do to help them be clearer about how happiness looks and feels for you and what success looks and feels like for you the universe will conspire to help make it happen Hmm. it just needs really clear instructions
0: (laughs) excellent all right well finally christy who else should i get on the show and why
1: ah Well, um, if you want to explore the ideas of um, commercializing technology out of federal labs in the United States, which may be too much of a niche topic, um, but there's a really crazy innovative program here in the States called FedTech, and they throw entrepreneurs who have never met each other together with labs and inventors and see if there's um, businesses that can come out of that. So uh, Mike Bynum at FedTech would be one of the top of my list because he's... He's got a wide breadth of entrepreneurial experience and, and he's trying to do something that's incredibly hard. Put hmm. people who don't know each other together with t- technology they haven't built uh, to create new things. But, you know, whatever you're interested in, I probably know somebody who knows somebody. So I'd be more than happy to get you connected with a, a whole host of folks who I think your listeners would really enjoy learning from.
0: Excellent. Well, we'll start off with an introduction to Mike because that sounds okay. like a fasc- fascinating topic to explore and then we'll chat offline for other people.
1: Fabulous.
0: So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Christy. This has been a really fun conversation. I've enjoyed it and I'm sure there's lots that I, I know there's lots I've learned out of it. I'm sure there's lots for, for the listener to take away as well. So thanks well, again. It was a
1: lot of fun for me. Thank you.
0: All the best and let's stay in touch. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and really informative conversation with Christy and took something away from her episode, most importantly. Now I invite you, get really clear on what you want, what will make you happy and what the world needs. Match them all up. And be totally honest about it. Don't make something up that's fantasy. Be really honest with yourself. Then articulate that vision of success and happiness. best thing to do is write it down. Draw it out. Or maybe even speak it and record it. And then transpose that recording into the written word and maybe draw some diagrams that represent that vision of success and happiness. Then... Take the next obvious action towards making that happen. So don't let it overwhelm you. Take the next obvious action, one step at a time. Christy's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Christy Maxfield. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D. All lowercase, all one word, Innovabiz.co forward slash Christy Maxfield. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Christy there, as well as links to the Purpose First Advisors website, to Christy's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you've listened this far into the show, then you know what's coming the challenge. If you loved this conversation, and why wouldn't you have loved this conversation? and you think there's some useful tips in it for just one other person, then be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. They'll be forever grateful to you, believe me. Also, make sure to get the episode bookmark token at innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks. For the cost of just a cup of coffee, you can have your very own permanent record of this show along with the recording. 50% of the revenue from this episode token will go directly to Christy as the guest of this episode and the other 50% goes towards supporting the show. Think of it as a way to support Christy and tell her that you loved her episode. Christy suggested that we have a conversation with Mike Bynum, Principal at FedTech on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So, Mike, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Christy Maxfield. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Now remember to go to InnovaBuzz.co forward slash Flywheel to collect your unique digital token, which will give you membership of the Flywheel Nation community, where you'll have direct access to our amazing podcast guests, as well as to a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz podcasting process. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innovabiz.
2: Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.